0: Today, we are um, in part two of a series that we began last Sunday. We're calling this series, Increase. And at the beginning of this year, we kind of launched a vision for 2021. Three words, if you've been with us very long at all, you know these three words. They define who we are, and they define uh, prophetically where we are going in Christ. Intimacy, identity, increase. We've talked a lot about intimacy, that everything we are and everything that we do should flow out of intimacy with the Father, amen? Amen. Jesus spent time. You can see multiple examples throughout the Gospels of it saying Jesus woke up very early in the morning to go out into the wilderness and to pray, to spend time with his Father This was the rhythm that Jesus lived in, intimacy. He had to be alone with his Father. And everything else flowed out of that place. And that's where we need to live. Our life source is intimacy. And through intimacy, then we step into identity. Because through intimacy, he speaks to us. He reveals truth to our hearts, who he is and who we are in him. That we are sons and daughters that we have been sanctified and made holy, empowered by his Holy Spirit. The word says we are seated in heavenly places, co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom right now. We lack nothing, and out of identity, then we step into and we live in increase, in transformation, and not just material increase, but an increase of peace, an increase of joy, an increase of love, an increase in in our capacity to be able to do the far out things that God has called us to do. If what you feel like you're being called into is blowing your mind that it's impossible for you, you're in a good place because it's probably God. And that's where we're focusing on here for the next few weeks. Increase. We looked last week at Romans. Romans chapter 12 is going to kind of be the foundational scripture passage for this series. And last week, we just focused in on verses one and two. I want to read verse two today. It's on the screens. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewed mind transforms a person. A transformed person transforms a family. And a transformed family transforms a city. That's the progression of transformation through the renewed mind. When your mind is renewed, see, the moment you step into a relationship with Jesus, the word of God says you now possess the mind of Christ. And your renewed mind then transforms who you are. Everything about you is transformed. The old is gone, the new has come. You're a brand new person. You think differently, you see differently, you act differently, you speak differently. Everything is different because who you are, who you were, is dead. There's not a whole lot a dead person can do. And who you are in Christ is now fully alive and set free. And you live and move and have your being in that identity. And you are transformed. And when you become transformed, the the areas you step into, then you bring that transformation into your homes, into your workplaces, into Lifeway Church. And your transformation then causes the transformation of the whole And the transformation of the family or the church family then transforms a neighborhood, transforms a community, transforms a city, which transforms a county, which transforms, you get the picture, it's a ripple effect of transformation when people are stepping into and walking in their identity as sons and daughters. So this is what we're going after in this series. The transformed mind transforms you. You transform your family. Your transformed family transforms a city because we believe in the transformation of our cities. It's why we're here for such a time as this, to see revival, to see the love of Jesus impact every arena of our culture, everything. Everything begins with a thought. What I eat, what you wear, do you realize that what you are wearing right now, you're wearing that because you thought about what clothes to put on your body this morning. Some of you should have thought a little harder, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm kidding. Where you go, what you look at. I was gonna put in here that, you know, everything begins with a thought, what you say, but how many of you, you, you kind of speak sometimes before you think. And so I don't know if that really applies. I know I'm in that category sometimes. I speak before I think. My brain is trying to catch up with my words and just doesn't get there. Us guys, that happens, yeah. If I have the mind of Christ, I have the capacity. Listen to this. If I have the mind of Christ, the word says we have the mind of Christ. That means that through the Holy Spirit, I have the capacity to think like Jesus did. That's bold, but you do. You have been equipped with the mind of Christ, so you have, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to think just like Jesus did. You know the mind of Christ. And then, if you think like Jesus did, then everything then translates into what you do. Because if everything begins with a thought, every action begins with a thought, then when I think like Jesus, I act like Jesus. I do the things that Jesus did. I walk like he walked. I talk like he talked. Because I possess the mind of Christ, my mind has been renewed. The renewed mind ushers in the will of God. Troy, go back to that verse two there. This is so profound. Okay, so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we need our minds to be renewed? So that you can prove what the will of God is. When you live from a renewed mind, you can then step into the will of God. You can prove through your words, through your actions, through your lifestyle, you prove the will of God. What is the will of God? Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven is the will of God. If it's not in heaven, I don't want it to be here. We have been Transformed to bring heaven to earth. You can bring heaven to earth because the kingdom of heaven lives within you. Do you believe that? The kingdom of heaven lives within you. So every place you go, you bring heaven, you bring the kingdom, you bring transformation because you have been transformed. It has to start individually before you can take it anywhere. You can't give people what you don't already possess. You can try and try and try all of you want, but eventually you're going through striving. You're going to become burned out. That's what happens. When you go every day neglecting intimacy with the Father and you just try to do it out of your own strength and out of your own wisdom, you get burned out. You get tired. You get frustrated, and people can see through that. When I'm just speaking from someone else's experience and not my own experience, but you Bring transformation into other people's lives when you live out of that renewed mind, that transformed mind. My mind is renewed when I immerse myself in his word and in his presence, when I set my mind on things above. And listen to this, I don't allow a thought in my mind that's not in his. You set your mind on things above. That means you have authority over your thoughts. The devil can't make you think it You have authority over your mind. When you set your mind on heavenly things, on things above, when you don't allow a thought, you take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You live continually in his presence and in his word. Your mind is renewed. We are called and equipped to walk as Jesus walked, to see our world truly changed. And this is where it starts.
1: Holy conviction, Batman. I had a dream last night, and it wasn't a pleasant one. It was awful. And I woke up this morning, and I was feeling it. You ever have a dream, and you wake up, and you're like, whoa, that was bad. And it took me a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then I called Travis, because he was already here, and I was like, hey, I need you to pray for me, because I know what God is doing, and I know what the enemy is trying to do to me today. So I need you to pray with me. I need you to agree with me to help me take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And I can tell you, I'm not in the same state of mind I was earlier this morning. Praise God. It's active. It's not passive. Oh, please, Jesus, take it away. No, I'm going I'm to turn on worship music. I'm going to lift up your name, and I'm going to step into a new way of thinking when the enemy is trying to distract, attack, or whatever. We won't always give him credit, because we have our own ways of going off, too. But aligning our hearts and our minds with Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Bob, follow me. Victoria, follow me. Rachel, follow me. Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. So who are we following? Jesus. Amen? And I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. <laughs> Nikki did this in her testimony yesterday because she was talking about when he looked at Matthew, son of Alpheus, follow me. It's one of my favorite moments in the whole, the whole season. Well, there's a lot of favorite moments. I like it all. But the thought process is he doesn't care what we think is not worthy or whatever, he just says, follow me, Stacy, let's go. Okay, you're up, now let's go, follow me. But what did Jesus do? How did Jesus act? Like that's a cute thing, Like we, what would Jesus do, right? Remember the WWJD bracelets? What would he do? How does he think? I love what Travis said, there's not a thought in, in my mind, there should not be a thought in my mind that wouldn't be in his. Did Jesus ever think about or worry about or be concerned with lack? Not enough. Did he? Was that ever in his thought process? Should it be in ours? Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. What about um, hatred towards a brother? Did he ever have that in his heart or his thoughts? Offense. Offense. Whoa, we live in an offended culture. I have my right to be offended. Come on. Did Jesus get offended when they spit in his face? Woof. In Mark 1041 I'm going to cry. Okay. It's a, good, it's a good feeling. It's not a con- condemnation feeling, right? I'm not feeling condemned. I'm feeling challenged to go higher. Eagle up. And it's not about pride. It's about humility. Lord, humble me, and I want to be like you. So in Mark 10, 41 through 45, the disciples are having a discussion with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, when we get to heaven, can I sit next to you? Can you put me in a place of honor? James and John are having this discussion. Have you ever thought that? Like, hey, hey, Jesus, do you see what I just did? Look at me. They were real, okay? But Jesus addresses them in verse 41. Now the other 10 disciples overheard this, and they became angry and began to criticize Jacob and John or James and John. Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, Ooh, Those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects. But this is not the example you are to follow. You are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest... Then you then live, live, excuse me, then live as one called to serve others. The path to promotion comes by having the, the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price for the salvation of many. So Jesus invites us to serve, yeah? He's like, I don't want you to rule like the leaders of the land who rule over and, and, and dominate over, over the people. I want you to rule in my love. I want you to rule in my humility. I want you to serve one another because when we serve, we act like Jesus, amen? So we're saints, we're holy, we're righteous, but we are servants too. Isn't that cool? Serving one another, loving one another is the way. I love this quote, Jesus served with the heart of a king, but ruled with the heart of a servant. This is the essential combination that must be embraced by those longing to shape the course of history. You are king over the powers of darkness because of the king of kings living inside of you, but you are a servant to your brother and sister. Amen? (laughs) I like that. And remember, who your enemy is, it's not the person sitting across the aisle, politically or in church. Come on, somebody. Woo! Jesus set the standard, and he is our example, and man, is it hard sometimes. (laughs) Can you agree? But I love it because The disciples were like, hey, Jesus, how do we do this? Serve. Serve. Amen? All right, I'm done. I I feel like y'all are like, oh, dear.
0: Go to Romans chapter 12. It's going to be on the screen, so you can read it there as well. But um, when we live from a renewed mind or a transformed mind, we can live out a transformation lifestyle. Why is that important when it comes to serving? Well, because for most of us, myself including, included, uh, serving is counterintuitive. How often do we want to sacrifice our time and our energy and our resources and our giftings Does that come naturally outside of the mind of Christ? Does that come naturally outside of a relationship with Jesus? No. That is why we have to live from the renewed mind. Because when the thoughts that are in our head are the thoughts that are in his head, then we see people differently. We look at them differently. We want to give everything that we are and everything that we have to see the kingdom increase, no matter the cost. No matter what it costs me, I will sacrifice because now I'm looking through the eyes of Jesus. I'm thinking through the mind of Christ. And Paul said, right, um, in verse 1 in Romans 12, he said, In view of God's mercy, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. I live as a sacrifice to love people, to do anything I can to demonstrate the love and the compassion and the power of Jesus. And that's why Paul began Romans 12 with those two verses because then everything flows from the renewed mind. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and the gifts of the Spirit. They're of the Spirit, not of the flesh. I can't manufacture the fruit of the Spirit apart from Jesus. And I can't operate in the gifts of the Spirit apart from the Spirit. And it all begins from my mind, from the renewed mind, from the mind of Christ. So, let's go a little further now into Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. This is Paul speaking here to the Christians in Rome. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I feel like Paul is thinking here, get it out! When it comes to pride, get it out! Run away from it. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. (laughs) Man, Paul, he's just, he's that motivational guy, you know. He just, he is straight to the point. Like, listen, you think you're all that in a bag of chips? I got a reality check for you. You are nothing. In love. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, but, but see, here's the thing, though. When Paul says that, he's not saying you should think of yourselves from a belittling perspective. Like you're nothing, you're insignificant, you're not worth very much. That's not at all what Paul's saying. Go on in this verse. Instead... Honestly assess your worth by using your God given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self esteem. It comes out of faith. See, the key to an honest and accurate evaluation of ourselves is knowing the basis of our self worth. What's the basis of my self worth? My identity in Christ. It's everything. So Paul's not saying you're insignificant, you're powerless, you're weak, you're ineffective. He's saying no, get pride out of your mind and through faith, from your identity in Christ, evaluate your self-worth. Who are you in Christ? Through faith, I am a son of God. I am forgiven, redeemed, sanctified, and empowered. Is that who you are in Christ? Yes it is, you are sons and daughters of the king. You are wildly loved, as Leslie said yesterday. Now yes, apart from him, I am nothing. In him, I can do all things. Is that what your Bible says, it's what mine says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from Christ, I am nothing. In him, I can do all things. Pastor Stephen Furtick, he says, I think God is telling us we need to unlearn our limitations. You need to unlearn your limitations because the word says you can do all things in Christ. Not of your own strength and wisdom, and not for your own glory, for His. But there is nothing you cannot do that He has called you to do or He has promised you to do. All things. Understanding and walking in my identity in Christ does not promote pride. Sometimes it can be easy to become offended when we see someone truly walking in their identity as Christ because it's convicting. When you see someone walking in true freedom and joy and peace, living out their calling to the fullest potential, you're like, well, you know, deep down you never admit it, but you're like, wow, why am I doing that? Why can't, and we become jealous. We become full of pride and frustration. Understanding my identity in Christ, for me it does not promote pride. It promotes humility and gratitude. I look at Bradley and I see someone who is so genuine and so authentic when it comes to their love for Jesus and love for people. And when I look at him flowing in his giftings, there's there's no pride there. There's no arrogance. There's humility and gratitude and love. And when we truly live from that renewed mind, when we see people like Jesus did, when you see someone else operating in their giftings, you don't get jealous. You cheer them on. You don't say, well, why, why can't I do that? Why, why am I not doing that? No, you say, God, the gifts you've given me, I will use them to the fullest that I can, but I'm not comparing myself to them. And, but that's where it is. Are you, have you truly surrendered everything that you are to be used to the fullest that you can by the Father? Because when you do, that pride and that jealousy, that arrogance, that envy, it doesn't creep in because you're fully surrendered. And your motive is His glory, not your own. Amen? I hope I'm making sense. I'm not confident in me, I'm confident in His work in me. I will boast in Him, my life will glorify Him. See, Paul started out, Romans 12, in view of God's mercy. Everything that we do, everything that we are should come from the perspective of in view of God's mercy. I live in humility. I live in awe every day of God. I cannot believe you have done this in my life. Everything I am is the result of his mercy and grace in my life. Go to verse four. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function, and so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, We've, been, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the other. Jesus is the head, says that in Colossians, and we are his body. Just as human bodies cannot function disconnected from our brains, right? If you're disconnected from your brains, you're dead, basic biology, people, okay? The same is true with the church. We cannot function effectively or powerfully disconnected from Christ. And there are churches that try. A disconnected church is a dead and powerless church. And when I look around at Lifeway and many others in our community, I see the very opposite of that. I see churches that are alive and moving in power and moving in their identity, who they are, as a radiant bride of Christ. We cannot become disconnected from Jesus, from his heart, for the church. It's his church, remember? We're building Christ's church, not our church. We are part of his body. We are all members of one body, and it just we just read there, have been vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the other. Kate, okay, did you catch that last line there? Each contributing to the other. So not only does your role contribute to the overall mission, you're important. What you have been created and called to do is vital. But not only do you contribute to the overall mission of the church, But your role contributes to somebody else fulfilling theirs. That's what it just said. Vitally joined together with each contributing to the others. You're important to the person sitting beside you in the seat. What you do can open the door for them to do what they've been called to do. Because we contribute one to another. Think of it this way. How effective would your hands be without feet and legs? What could would you be limited? Like your hands are awesome. I'm so thankful for hands. Just think of everything that you do because you have hands. It's great. But how much of what your hands can do is because you have feet and legs to get you there. Right? It's just like that with the body. You may think that what you have been called and created and equipped to do is completely insignificant, but there may be somebody else sitting right beside you that can fulfill their role if you would step into yours. There is not an unimportant role in the body. Jesus created you with giftings, and they're not optional. They're beautiful, and they're needed in the church. Every person playing their part Every person has a vital role. It says you're either helping or hurting because if you're not doing what you've been created to do, you're hindering the effectiveness and the impact of the church. Now that's bold, but it comes out of love because Jesus doesn't do anything by accident. You weren't created by accident and the gifts that you have are not accidental. He wants them to be used and to operate to advance his kingdom, to grow his church. So if you've been given gifts and you're not using them, you're actually hindering the impact of the church, the impact of the church in our community. And that's not to guilt you into doing anything, that's to say, listen, you are vital, you are important, and we need all hands on deck. My hands need my feet and my legs otherwise i can't do a whole lot with my hands not near as much as i can do with my feet and my legs it's the same in the body of christ i cannot do it alone and my role is not more important than yours just because Leslie and i are the pastors doesn't mean that what we do for lifeway in lifeway is any more or less important than what you are called to do it takes all of us every one of us are important Lifeway can't do it alone either. Lifeway Church is not going to save Tuscarawas County. Lifeway Church isn't going to save New Philadelphia. It's all of us working together in unity, right? Let's uh, close out. We're going to go through verse eight here. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us, doesn't say most, to each one, varying gifts, So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, what is prophecy, by the way? Prophecy is simply speaking God's words to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. New Testament prophecy, very different than Old Testament prophecy. And the gift of prophecy is used to speak the language of God, the words of God, to comfort, strengthen, and encourage. If you've been given the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If you have the grace gift of serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, the Greek word for encouragement here, it means to be alongside someone, to comfort, encourage, console, strengthen, exhort, and stir up in faith. Use that gift often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Every believer has been equipped with gifts of grace and empowered by the Holy Spirit to use these gifts to help build up the church. However, one's primary gift does not mean that he or she cannot exercise other gifts, okay? So maybe you have the gift of leadership. It doesn't mean that all you can do is leadership and not clean the toilets. It doesn't mean you function in compassion, but not generosity. And by the way, this list is not exhaustive. There are many other gifts that God has given to help build his church, and they're all important, and they all need to be used. Again, you are valuable. You are vital to Lifeway. You are vital to the kingdom. Here's a side note, be thankful, not jealous for people whose gifts are completely different than yours, be thankful, not jealous for people whose gifts are completely different than yours. Let their strengths balance your weaknesses and vice versa, let their strengths balance your weaknesses, competition and jealousy will severely limit kingdom impact. We gotta get competition and jealousy and pride out of these doors. Stop working against each other and start working for each other. Use whatever gifts you have been given wholeheartedly and serve out of joy. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if you're ever seen or not, it doesn't matter if you're ever heard or not, it's for His glory. So work wholeheartedly, whatever your role is, as though you're working for God, not for man. That's what the word says. And so many of you, listen, please do not take this as though this is not happening. Most of you, most of you are already stepping into your role. You're already doing what you've been called to do. You've been doing it. It's why we're seeing what we're seeing happening on a weekly basis. Because you see, you see the potential of a united church. What could a united church with people who aren't working through competition, who aren't working against each other, but are working for each other and for the kingdom, what could we accomplish? What could be accomplished? Amazing.
1: I want you to know, too, this is not a reactionary message to anything. We actually wrote this two weeks ago. Cool, huh? So if you think we're talking about you, that's not us. That's Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yay. Right? Holy Spirit is convicting me on so many things. Like, it's so good. And his conviction is gentle and kind and merciful, and it's good. And it's so good to stay in a place where we can literally receive that and grow. And I believe that we are... Seeing unity, we're seeing the church flourish. So this isn't, like he said, this isn't because we're not seeing it. This is a, such a good reminder. I need this reminder. I am here to serve for the honor of my king, right? In 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, it says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. How do we serve? Well, I've got that gift. I'll do it out of love, Out of love. Everything we do has to be done out of love for one another and love for Jesus. Everything. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That's a a drop the mic verse right there but it all comes out of love. Servants look like love, resources, and giftings. To be a servant, you give your love first, and then whatever else the Lord has resourced you with, your giftings in the spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you serve one another, amen? In serving one another, we become free. Have you ever noticed that when you are serving somebody and you're loving on them and you're giving them what Jesus is telling you to give them it's really hard for you to think about your problems. Have you noticed that? Like when you're like busy taking care of someone or doing what God has called you to do it's really hard to get lost in the oh I just stink. Or look at, I have this problem, or I have that problem. We, get, we can be so self-centered and self-focused, but when we begin to turn and see other people and love other people like Jesus, we lose that self-focus and it becomes the other-focused and we become more and more like our Savior. Amen? So if you're getting frustrated about being trapped in depression or trapped in anxiety or trapped in whatever it is, serve somebody. I'm telling you, it will set you free. Because you're thinking about the kingdom and you're thinking about the love of Jesus impacting that person's life. And boom, self-centeredness just goes. Pride goes. It's cool. It's the upside down kingdom of heaven. In Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit fall on the believers. He said it. Holy Spirit, fire is what produces the fruit of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness in me. I need you, Holy Spirit. Help me because I'm angry right now, and I want to react, and I want to yell at that person. But you love them, and I'm going to love them too. Not going to lie, had that conversation with the Holy Spirit this week. Where I'm weak, he is strong. Come on. Stop trying to do it on your own. Holy Spirit fire, love of Jesus, overflow me. And when the Holy Spirit fire came on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord. God is pouring out his fire on this valley. We are seeing revival break out. We've got more news for you. We're going to share with you in the near future of what God is doing in the coming days. But I am telling you, we are stepping into a season. We are in a season of revival. We are in a season of transformation. We are in a season where we, we are connected to our brothers and sisters in Christ in such a crazy cool way that we're not in competition with one another. We are in cheering each other on position. Let's go, Legacy. Let's go, Methodist Church. Let's go, Judge Mayor, businesses, we're cheering each other on. And this is what happened in Acts 2. A deep sense of awe, verse 43, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for, their, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I think there's eating three times in just that one part. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Yes, Lord, do it again. Every day. They came together like this in the temple and they worshiped together. They met together daily in their homes. They prayed together. They broke bread together. They did life together. They forgave each other. Yeah? Because there's, Jesus, he, he, they said, teach us how to pray. And at the, at the end, he said, don't forget to forgive and let it be an overflow of forgiveness constantly. Forgive, 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 because you have been forgiven. And if you want to be forgiven by your father in heaven, you have to give forgiveness to your brother and sister. Holy cow, so good. It all ties together. This morning, I was doing my devotions, and I read this. Burn with passion no matter what, but maintain humility. This is May 2nd's devotional. Maintain humility, being the servant of all. The momentum gained through the generations working together creates a spiritual wealth that truly makes nothing impossible. For those who believe. When we add the supernatural power of the resurrected Christ to a people unified to his purpose and one another, nothing they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And this is a word over you. I will fight for your family, says the Lord. The enemy has set his sights on bringing division. Because he knows that my power pours out in unity. But do not be afraid. Know that you fight against principalities, not one another. Come on. Jesus, this is your church. We are your church. We are your body. And right now we know that the enemy wants to divide and conquer. He wants to separate us. He wants us to cause us to not love one another, love each other like you love us. He wants to cause a disunity, a disharmony, because he knows that when we stand together, we soar in the kingdom. That when we move together as one body, that when we, when we love each other, when we forgive each other, when we are active, nothing can stop what you have planned. So Father, we as your body surrender and say, Lord, we want to do what you've called us, ordained us, created us, and anointed us to do today in this valley in the coming years, God. We want to move in unity and fire. We want to move in love. God, we want to move with a heart of compassion, and we want to walk in your righteousness. Jesus, we want to follow hard after you. Guide us, lead us, continue to unify us, continue to cover us in your love because of your blood. My power pours out of unity. Amen, church? Will you stand? Oh, yeah. Don't you love it? Like, he's in the details being the servant of all. The title, I don't know if we ever said the title of the message today is servant of all. Jesus came to be the servant of all. They thought that he was coming as a king to lord over. And he is our king. But our king came as a servant. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray, and then I think he has a song, but let's just, let's just do this. Father, you can repeat me. Father, I release my agenda. I release control. I surrender to your plans, to your heart. Let your love flow out of my mouth, into my mind, into my heart, into everything that I do with my hands, wherever I go, let your love pour out, in Jesus' name.